Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we've overcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We are uh, currently studying in the book of uh, Hebrews, but I'm taking a little break from Hebrews on today because today is known worldwide as Easter Sunday. And because it's Easter Sunday, I thought it would be a good idea to just take time to recognize this day and its its true meaning. And that's what I'd like to kind of talk about today. Normally, I am one to focus on just teaching, right? I go to the Word of God, I study, and I look to see what the Lord has in that uh, particular section to see how it applies to us today, uh, as well as what was being uh, ministered to to the people that it was originally written to, and just try to get an understanding, a general understanding of just the basic uh, meaning of the word. And I allow God, the Holy Spirit, to make the applications to each of our lives. But today, again, I'm going to deviate a little bit from that path. Today, I'm going to step into the role of a not just a teacher, but also a preacher. Uh, it's not a role that I uh, take lightly or that I step into often, but I think today warrants that. I think this day, uh, more than any other, warrants this deviation. So I'd like to talk about today what Easter truly means. And I think it's important for us uh, to really think about this, to to really kind of chew the cud and meditate on the meaning of this day and its importance. And so I'd like to really just kind of dive into that. So not normally one to do topical lessons, but again, I think today warrants that. So, you know, let's let's um, let's think about that together. What Easter truly means. So I've noticed um, for the past month, you know, I drive through the city and all over the city uh, and, this, and the adjoining cities that I travel to, I've seen billboards that have been up, that have been paving the way to this Easter 2023. And you see all these churches that are advertising, you know, come spend Easter with us and um, it's it's uh, pretty widely accepted that on Easter Sunday if no other Sunday people are going to go to church people who would not normally go to church are going to you know put an effort towards going at least this day it's one of those days that everyone recognizes as a church holiday. And what is a holiday anyway? A holiday is just a transliteration of the word holy day. So it's a day that's been set apart for a particular reason. And uh, everyone understands that in a special way as it pertains to Easter. Now, um, 
I think we can all agree that this is a, kind of a worldwide understanding that Easter is set apart as a church day. Uh, particularly here in the U.S., uh, everybody agrees to gather together on this day and, you know, to have fun. They're going to have, they're going to expect, you know, creative messages that have been put together by these church leaders that are going to be celebrated with special meals, uh, various hunts, you know, bunny baskets, and brightly colored eggs. These are the things that are understood to be associated with this day. And it's common knowledge. It's very much common knowledge. But what isn't common knowledge, I think, is um, what Easter truly is, what it truly means, and the role it has in the church today. And it's something that's not talked about. And I want to just go to the Bible and look at some verses that give us insight into what what Easter truly is and and uh, its origins. Um, the The meaning of Easter is pretty well known and understood, right? That's what people think. But I think um, maybe um, this study will help enlighten us as to the significance of Easter 2023 because it is very significant based on the word and we should always get our understanding of the world around us filtered through the word of God that is something that is vital to spiritual growth to living a life that's well pleasing to the Lord Jesus is that rather than understanding the world through the world's filter we should understanding our surroundings, our world through the filter of the word of God, because that's where we get God's perspective. And our minds need to be uh, in alignment with the mind of God. It says in the, in the word that, you know, we have the mind of Christ, you know, to have this mind also in you. So that's where our understanding, our perception needs to come from. Does that mean that we can't, you know, listen to other people, other perspectives? No, no, we should. We should have a good understanding of a wide variety of things. But at the end of the day, when we make decisions for our lives and for the lives of the ones that we're um, given to lead and guide and have responsibility for, it should be from the perspective of the Lord Jesus Christ from from the word of God and that's why he's given us the word and God the Holy Spirit to guide us. So let's 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 be faithful and do that in light of this uh this day uh this Easter and get an understanding of the significance. Okay? So one of the things I think we should ask about Easter Sunday is where or what role does Jesus play in Easter 2023? What place does Jesus have in relationship to bunnies and baskets? I think that's a really good question to ask. And by asking that question, it would lead us 
to an understanding of the significance of this particular Easter Sunday. So we were given as believers, we can go back as far as Acts. Acts chapter 1, we were given the Great Commission. Um, in verse 8, Jesus says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And for the most part, we can see that that has been accomplished. We can go back as far as Paul, uh, Peter, James, the original apostles, and see how their witness and testimony um, multiplied uh, from, you know, the uh, uh, Peter's witness during uh, when the uh, when the when the Lord brought on the God and the Holy Spirit. Uh, at Pentecost and all those people that were made Christians that were originally under the old covenant in Judaism and then they, uh, they were brought into the church into the church age the church age began and we see a proliferation and a spreading of the gospel that has moved throughout that literally thousands of years until the day that you know we are here now still studying the word of God still being affected People are still being saved through the gospel message being proclaimed. So we see the fulfillment of this commission, this great commission that God gave to uh, the early church to proclaim his word unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And that is, for the most part, has been accomplished. That's being done. And we can all be thankful for that. Those of us who have been blessed to uh, respond positively to the gospel message and be saved. And it's the reason why that we are able to know the Lord Jesus because of his gospel. And that's a wonderful thing. But also, there's something else that's going on. Uh, there's not just that gospel message that's gone out. There's also other things that God has given us to know that are coming, things that have been uh, foretold or prophesied about to let us know that, you know, there's more than just the gospel that's going to go out. There's a lot of things that God is going to do in that time period, the time period that we live in, the time period that Paul lived in, the church age. A lot of things are, are going to happen that need to be accomplished during that time period. And he's given us this knowledge and this understanding so that we will be uh, comforted by it. Because there's going to be things that are going to be unsettling, things that are going to be troublesome to our souls that we're going to see. And I'm sure I don't have to, you know, point that out to you. If you're a believer and you live in the, in the day we live in, in 2023, then your soul is troubled. It should be. You should be looking around and your soul should be disturbed by the things that are occurring all around us. That's that's a normal thing. That's something that we were foretold that the apostles warned the early church would come. And we are living in that time. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. So... While we're in Acts, um, look, let's look at the verse right before the one I just referenced in Acts chapter 1, 
verse seven. Let's see what the Lord Jesus said. So actually, let's start from verse six because he's responding to a question that was asked of him directly by the people that he was standing before. Now, this is a good object lesson that if you have a question, you can ask me and I could do my best to try to answer it. You can go ask someone else and they can try to answer it. But you're, it would be foolish for a believer not to go to the source. Always ask the Lord Jesus because he gives liberally and he abraveth not. He will answer your questions. Go to the Lord Jesus. Use the gift, the access, the precious access that we have as believers. Take advantage of that. Go to the Lord Jesus. Speak to him often. Okay? That's part of the personal relationship that we have, that we develop, that he develops in us and with us. So verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, I'm reading from the King James Version. When they therefore were come together and asked him, saying, Lord, would thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And listen to what Jesus said. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his power. So what does that mean? Why did Jesus answer them that way? Well, because it was not for them to know these things. They didn't have a full understanding of all the dispensations of uh, God. You know, they didn't understand that they were just entering the church age. They thought, well, certainly if Jesus is here, we're going to jump right to the thousand year kingdom, you know, the millennial age. And they didn't understand that there was other things that needed to be accomplished to fulfill the uh, will and the purpose of the father. And that's why Jesus said to him, he says, it's not for you to know these things. That's that's in the power of the Father. And we also have to understand the role that Jesus was in at this kind of very interesting time, because this is right after his death, burial and resurrection, right before his ascension. So he had not yet entered into his high priestly ministry, which he is he's entered into now. Once he ascended, he was exalted through the heavens, Hebrews says, and he was he sat upon his throne to reign in a high priestly ministry. Well, why is he in this high priestly ministry? On behalf of the church. But because the church relies upon that high priestly ministry for what? For instruction, for cleansing, for to be made useful in service. So we have to have a high priest that, that can go before um, uh, uh, the father and on our behalf, and that's what he's doing right now. So he hadn't entered into that yet. So it wasn't time for those people, those original church members, to to have this knowledge, right? It was early in the church age, the very beginning. But soon they would have that knowledge. Soon there was going to be a, a certain one, uh, a Pharisee by the name of Paul that was going to be converted and upon his conversion would open up um, the knowledge, uh, the revelation 
of the things that were to come. So the Lord Jesus did not leave them ignorant. He does not leave us in a place of ignorance. We can be ignorant, but it's a willful ignorance because we have access to his word, to him, to God, the Holy Spirit. And if we're just diligent, right, and we do the work, we can have these answers, right? We can have these answers. So so here we are um, at a time prior to Paul. But once Paul comes on the scene, everything changes. Now we can know times. We do. Paul came and he spoke and he told them from the beginning to the end. He revealed to them all the ages. He told them about all the things that were to come. He made sense of the words of the Lord Jesus about the tribulation, about the kingdom, how the church, the mystery of the church was revealed through Paul's ministry. Now, not just Paul, right? All of the apostles, they all confirmed that with Paul that they had the same message. So all of this came after the ascension. So why am I talking about that? Why is that important? Well, because there were some things that Paul shared that were important for us to know and that we need to know and understand even today uh, in light of the day we live in. Easter is not a Christian holiday. Now, that's not going to come to a surprise to a lot of you, uh, but some people may not understand the details of what Easter is what its origins are, and you can go to TikTok, you can go to the internet, and they have a lot of information about it, right? And some of it's actually semi-accurate, but I'm going to give you the definitive cliff notes on what Easter is and why it's important or how what's its relevance to the Christian church. Because I think it's important for us to understand that so that we'll understand what it is that uh, our role is in um, ministering to others as well as our own responsibility in light of the world we live in. Um, so let's look at that. So Easter is uh, goes back a long way, as far back as Nimrod. Uh, the one who I think is pretty much the father of um, kind of polytheism or idolatry. And that was his goal. He wanted to uh, take men away from God and bring them to himself. He was known as a hunter. He was a hunter of men, of men's souls. And he was very much interested in taking men away from God. And he came up with these elaborate... Um, means of doing so through the creation of these idols, right? Uh, something to worship other than God. That's all an idol is. It's something that you worship other than God. So he created all these. So one of the most popular deities or religions that were created um, that has kind of stood the test of time is Ishtar worship. Now, without going into a lot of detail, because I'm not uh, here to teach you about Ishtar, uh, we're learn we're going to study the Word of God, but it's important to understand the role that uh, Ishtar played in place throughout history. So Ishtar was the goddess of fertility, right? So 
anytime you want something to last or to be effective or to be popular for um, thousands of years, just add sex to it, right? We know that marketing today, you know, they want to sell something, they make it sexy. You even see these uh, these uh, dentists now, you know, and they're saying, hey, we make teeth sexy. So everything has to be tied to sex to give it a, an appeal, an immediate appeal. So that's the same thing is true with Ishtar. She was the goddess of fertility. The, she was uh, known as the many-breasted one. There's even a, a statue of Diana, which is really just uh, another version of Ishtar. And it's that's what it is, a statue of, a, I think it's a female form with a lot of breasts on it. So, so, you know, that's a symbol of fertility, of uh kind of motherhood and provision provision and it's also sex and there's a lot of that that was centered around this ishtar worship and that's why ishtar worship has lasted so long but i think the interesting thing about ishtar worship is that because it's she's a goddess of fertility there's rabbits right because everybody knows rabbits they're very fertile they can have a litter i think every month so very fertile animal and also eggs because eggs are the symbol of you know new birth and uh to worship ishtar many people in many cultures around the world will paint these eggs and they put confetti in them and at the wedding ceremony so that ishtar will bless you with your crops and your animals and your your uh family with many children they throw these eggs in the air and break them and the confetti goes like the rice you know and and it's like hey you know you celebrate uh and that's how you get blessed by ishtar so that's where that came from and it got really mixed into you know what we're doing today uh this pagan worship but it goes further than that because if you look at um other parts of scripture that talk about um this this ishtar worship because ishtar had a son and because you can't just have ishtar the mother right you got to have a son because we got to appeal to everybody so the many breasted one that may appeal to the the male part of it but what about the women well they had tamas see tamas was the son of ishtar who died and one day it was prophesied that he would be resurrected with the sun because he's the sun god he's the god of the sun and so as the sun rises one morning tamas was going to rise with that sun well that's where we get our sunrise service right and if you look at uh, if you want to know what god thinks about all of this you know am i just babbling am i just you know, being overreactive about, you know, something that's very ancient and it's like, eh, you know, that's a long time ago and nobody thinks about that. So why would God even care? Well, let's look and see what God has to say about that. Because again, this has been going on for a long time. It was, it affected his people back um, in Ezekiel's time um, and it's affecting us today. But let's see what God had to say about it back then. So, Remember, by the time we get to Ezekiel, we're right before or uh, right after 
They've been taken off the land. They were on the land for many years. They had developed uh, a culture around God and around his worship. And, you know, there's a deterioration that happened. And uh, let's take a look at that. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 8 and see what it says. See what God says about this. Because I don't want you to just go by what I think. Uh, because, again, I think all of our opinions, our thoughts, our minds, how we perceive things should be filtered through the word of God. And uh, because, you know, I, I might think just like you do, like, what's the big deal? If you look at Ezekiel chapter eight, starting with verse 13, basically what's happened here is God has taken Ezekiel and showing him all the things that are going on in the nation that led to them being judged, being taken off the land and being uh, taken into captivity. And this is one of those things. And, uh, and God is speaking to Ezekiel and he's showing him these things. In uh, Ezekiel 8 verse 13, it says, He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Speaking of the nation Israel, the leaders. In verse 14, Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. So this is the Lord's house. This is the temple. And what are they doing uh, at this gate? Well, they're weeping for Tammuz. Well, why are they weeping? Because Tammuz died, and they're waiting for him to be resurrected, and they're, they're longing for it. It's, it's sad for these women. Verse 15, Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. So God considers the worship of Tammuz uh, by his people an abomination. Verse 16, And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs towards the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east, and they worshiped the sun towards the east. So what are they doing? They're 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 this is a sunrise service. They're looking for Tammuz to be resurrected. They're worshiping Tammuz in the temple of God. Verse 17. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations with they, that they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. So what does that mean? Well, they put a little twig to their face so they can look at the sun without being blinded to see if Tammuz was going to be resurrected. That's what they did. Verse 18. Therefore will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. So the judgment of God came upon these people because of what they were doing. And what are we doing today? Well, people are having sunrise services still. And they don't call it Tammuz worship, maybe, but that's what it is. They don't call it Ishtar worship. They call it Easter Sunday, right? So we have been utterly deceived. 
as a church, as a people, the world has been utterly deceived. So what is the protection from this? How, how do we keep from falling into this deception? Well, we can't. The word of God is the only way you can be protected is to study the word. Well, how do I know for sure that this is actually what's happening? Well, it's pretty easy. Uh, Paul made it very clear in Acts. If you turn to Acts, and I, I know we're doing a lot of jumping around, but this is kind of a topical type study, and it requires different scriptures to be able to get the total truth. So Acts chapter 20, let's see what Paul says about all of this, because he does have something to say about it. None of this is new or a surprise to God. He knows the end from the beginning, and he knew that this was going to be a part of of our experience and so that's the comfort that we have in knowing that so acts chapter 20 um let's see starting in 25 um and he says this is when basically when paul is talking to the ephesian elders and he's saying hey i'm going away y'all not going to see me again but i have these final words of warning to you so that you will know. And that's what the Bible does. That's what the God, the Holy Spirit does. Warns us so that we can understand that what's going on, though it's troublesome to our souls, God is in control. And this is not a surprise to him. It says in verse 25 of Acts chapter 20, King James Version. And now behold, I know that ye all, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, uh, shall see my face no more. So when he says kingdom of God, he's speaking of the future kingdom, the 1,000 year reign, the all the dispensations. He's, he, he preached that. Uh, Paul preached to them about future things because he wanted them to know what was going on. In verse 26, wherefore I take you to record this day that I am... Uh, pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You see, he told them about all the dispensations. He told them about everything that was going to happen. He spoke about the rapture. He told them about future things because we need to understand where we are in God's plan and purpose. Because Jesus said in Acts, it wasn't for them to know those things. But now we have been given those things to know. So he's, he, Paul did not hesitate to teach them all of these things. He says, take heed therefore, because I have taught you these things, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. That's how precious the church is. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So this is the prophecy, the doctrine of apostasy, the apostasy of the church. There's going to come a time when grievous wolves enter in among the leaders they, that enter into the church to destroy the church, to destroy his witness, to destroy his testimony. And we're living in that time. 2,000 years from when this was first given, 
we're seeing the fulfillment of this apostasy that Paul talked about. And he says, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. So you see, there's going to be this falling away from the truth where men who in the church, even believers, are going to teach perverse things, right? To draw away disciples after them, just like Nimrod. That was his goal. He, went to, he was a hunter of men. And there's people in the church today that they're more concerned with their personal stories, their um, anecdotes, bringing attention to themselves for their own popularity than they are with the word of God. They want people to follow them and not the word of God, not the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his church, not theirs. But we live in a time of apostasy. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says, therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So it's godly. It's a godly thing to do for us to warn other believers, for me to warn you, for you to warn me, for us to be weary and aware of what's going on. We should be aware of what's going on where we are in God's timeline so that we'll know how to respond and to minister in these times. But this is the time of the apostasy. And then Paul warned very, very early on that it was coming. So it was, that was the, the next big thing that was going to happen. We were living in that time. So what's the next thing that happened after that based on the word of God? Well, the rapture, the rapture of the church comes, then the tribulation period, then the thousand year kingdom. These are the, 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 the dispensations of time that, that, that were given to Paul that has been revealed to us through scripture that Paul has brought out the mystery of the gospel, right? That's what he's done. He's, he was faithful to do that. And, and we have this before us. So do we know that? How can we know that that's what Paul was talking about? Well, the way that we can know that is uh, it's been in the past, I don't know, maybe 100, 200 years that there's been a great surge in the study of eschatology, of future things. Uh, before that, salvation was a, a huge study. Well, how are people saved and are uh, saved by grace and uh, not by works. And that was a, a large part of the understanding that came out of the printing of the Bible and the Heidelberg Press and then the Reformation. Well, here, the most recent revelation, I'd say in the past couple of hundred years, has been eschatology, the understanding of future things. That includes the study of the book of Revelation, of Daniel, of Ezekiel. Throughout the whole of Scripture, we are giving uh, insight into future things. And now through, you know, um, works like um, systematic theology, we're able to gather all of this knowledge in a systematic way and look at it as a whole to see that what looked like to us before to be different books, different letters, different people is all one message. And 
that message tells us that the next big thing after this apostasy, this great turning away, is the rapture of the church. And we can see that in places like Daniel. Uh, I mentioned that is one of the places where we've uh, come to understand a lot about what's coming next. And it even says in Daniel 12, verse 4, it talks about knowledge increasing. It says, but thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. That word knowledge is very important. And I think it applies to what we're talking about here as far as the meaning of Easter and the role Easter is playing in the church right now uh, in 2023. That word can be described as cunning. So how, how would we apply knowledge increasing as cunning? Well, the knowledge or cunning that's increasing, I think we can see from one aspect, is that Easter has supplanted the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. People are not going to church now to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They're having sunrise services, and whether they know it or not, they're celebrating the resurrection of Tammas. And when they get they go to church and they have an Easter message, they go and have a meal and they hunt for uh, Easter eggs and give Easter baskets and include all the bunny rabbits. That's Ishtar worship. So the cunning has increased. The cunning of who? The one that's a great deceiver who has taken these things and laid them on top of what should be a day of celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that knowledge has increased. Cunning has increased. But there's also another way of looking at that word that knowledge shall increase. It, it's, it could speak of technology. The growth and expansion of technology, of knowledge applied from a worldly perspective. And we see that. We live in a time where there's an explosion of knowledge, an explosion of technological advancement, electric cars, uh, mapping the human mind, uh, traveling uh, through space, all the technology they were using and applying it in a in a worldly way we see that the 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 atom and how we've used that to make very destructive weapons and this is not a uh, me saying that technology is bad technology is wonderful technology is how i'm communicating to you right now so technology is a wonderful thing if used correctly i'm all for that but there's also an aspect of this verse that says people shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. There's also a knowledge of the word of God, because we saw where the Lord Jesus told those people in Acts, hey, it's not for you to know these things. Why? Because that wasn't the time set for them to know them. But once Paul came and the apostles started preaching to the Gentiles, well, hey, look what's happened. He, he revealed the mysteries of the gospel, the things that were the mysteries of the grace of God that were not revealed and could not be known other than it being revealed in scripture. 
And that is a clear indication of knowledge increasing. So we are living definitely in that time of apostasy. So what's next, you ask? What is coming next? Well, what's going to come next is going to be the rapture. It could come at any time. Once the last person during the church age has been saved, once that happens, it could be today. It could be while I'm recording this message. Uh, then instantly the rapture occurs and all the believers in the world are, are taken up. And it says that each one is going to be taken by number and order. The Lord Jesus being number one and each believer after that subsequent and in order will be raptured to us it will seem all instantaneous but it's going to happen in order according to the lord's um will for that so the rapture occurs we immediately are uh taken to heaven to be with him forever and uh but the everything doesn't stop there's still people on the earth let's say the rapture occurs on sunday well there's going to be churches full of people why because None of them are believers, right? And they're going to go on and keep on going on. And the things that are going to occur immediately after the rapture that in, that bring in the tribulation period are going to be so traumatic, so devastating, so all-encompassing that they won't care anything about the people that are gone. They won't even notice. There's going to be so much death and destruction that happens. The assumption will be that they just died with those all the people that died with as the four horsemen are revealed so there's going to be that the rapture is going to happen then you have the tribulation period that's a seven-year period on the earth uh, as described in the book of revelation where the judgments of god are poured out and um, the witness and testimony of the gospel starts coming from a primarily jewish um, group of people 144,000 jewish men who are going to start preaching the gospel, which is going to be a huge turn from where we are now. And the time of the Gentiles will be over and we we enter into the tribulation period. Um, and there's going to be a lot of people saved during that time. Uh, we won't be here. God has spared us from the very hour of the tribulation that is to come. That's what it says in Revelation. So we won't be here, but... That will be a very difficult time as described by the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, as well as the details were given in uh, the book of Revelation. So there's a seven year period. And at the end of that seven year period, that's when the Lord Jesus will come back to establish his kingdom. The beast is thrown in the lake of fire. Satan is bound for a thousand years. The curse of sin is removed from the earth um, and the Lord Jesus reigns from Israel um for a thousand years okay that's what's that's the next thing to happen and at the end of that period we have the eternal state so all of these things are a part of the word of god and what the word of god has uh to say to us and it should be a comfort to us in second timothy 2 15 paul exhorts timothy and he's really exhorting us as well as we read his personal letter to Timothy that he didn't even know was going to be a part of scripture, but God did. And he says, study to show thyself approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you see, our approval should not be unto men. We shouldn't be so concerned about what people think about us. We should be concerned about God's approval. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God. That's who we need to be accountable to. And he says, a workman. Well, what is this work? Well, there's a work that needs to be done now. We're at the time. This is the time to work. Once we enter the eternal state after the rapture, there's no work to be done. The work is over. That's why he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. The work is done. This is our unique opportunity to do the work of glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do the simplest task, the simplest thing in service, in submission to the Lord Jesus, we're doing the work. When we study the word, you know, there's work involved with study. Yes. But what a wonderful, joyful work that is. We get to commune with God, the Holy Spirit. We become one with the Godhead through God, the Holy Spirit. And we can sit, you know, at his feet and learn. And he'll open up our minds and our hearts and he'll pour in his word, his love, his grace. And we need that. But that's the work that needs to be done. We have to understand and, and be obedient to that what he pours into us when he gives you instruction that's the that's the honey right it was sweet in my mouth like honey but then you have to be obedient to that we have to be obedient to what he tells us and that's the work that's the work of faith and that work is what glorifies him and this is the time to do it he says a workman that needeth not be ashamed well, why would we be ashamed well if I was right now sitting in a church listening to an Easter message and then going off and getting my kids together and hunting for Easter eggs or whatever they hunt for now. Um, and the Lord Jesus came back and the rapture occurred. That would be pretty shameful, wouldn't it? That then you would be quite ashamed. In fact, when we stand before him at the Bema, I'm sure all of us are going to have things that are done that we see when we see everything that's done in our lives after we're saved, both good and evil. We're going to be ashamed of some of those things. Well, if you want to curb that to limit the amount of things that are you're going to be ashamed of, this is how you do it. Study the word to show thyself approved because he will lead and guide us through his word on how we're to carry ourselves, how to how we're to live this life that he's given us to live. Right? And it's the key to the end of this verse, it says, rightly dividing the word of truth. So that's all the dispensations are. Dispensations, a systematic theology is man divided, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because God has divisions in his word of how he's interacted with man. He has what Ways that he's uh, given man instruction and then man has to respond to that instruction, right? And that's been going on since Adam, right? All the way till the end. So we have to write, have an understanding of these dispensations, 
the, the age that we're in, the responsibility that he's given us, what the work is to do. And so that way we don't fall prey to these cunningly devised uh, tales to trick people into worshiping Tammuz and Ishtar when they should be worshiping the Lord Jesus. So it's important for us to understand that, you know, the word of God is the key to us being able to serve him. Uh, we live in a time right now of great opportunity, but we also live in a time of sin and shame where because of the apostasy of the church, the failure of the church is being mocked. I mean, it's in cinema and entertainment and government the world over. They're mocking the work of the church. That's what they're doing. And it's because of the apostasy. So that could be disheartening to many, but it shouldn't be. You should be encouraged knowing that Paul warned us that that's what was going to happen. And we also see a lot of things going on um, in the world that are astonishing. Uh, people not understanding gender, something very simple, something very uh, natural, right? That's being attacked. Um, but this is not new. This has been going on for a long time, right? Even during the time of the when the church first began, um, Rome was the ruler of the earth at the time. It was the spot. And the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, he even talks about that. In Romans 1, um, 18, he goes on and talks about how that people have turned away from God because that's the natural man. That's what he does. And the gospel was preached in this environment. And he says in verse 26 of Romans chapter one, he talks about the vile of affections that were prominent where women were turning away from the natural use of the man and the men were turning away from the natural use of the woman. Um, they were doing evil things, unseemly, indecent, shameful things, but that had become the norm. And I think it's very easy to look around us today and see that trend happening. We see that. Um, it's already been accepted in our culture, uh, sexual type sin that's accepted. Now we're moving on to more perverse things, right? Uh, we're talking about uh, men who dress like women or want to be women and vice versa. And uh, what is what comes after that? Well, that's going to be accepted too, right? That's where we're headed. That's where the big the big charge and and. You know, don't get excited about that. Don't think, well, what do I need to do to stop it? You can't stop it. This is a part of the will and purpose of God that's going to lead to the judgment of the tribulation period. So it's not for us to stop it. It's for us to look to the Lord Jesus to see what he wants us to do. If he wants us to speak out against it. If he gives you an opportunity to witness, witness. But don't focus on uh, LGBT, don't 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 witness against LGBT. That's that's ridiculous. That's not that's not a person. That's a thing. God came, brought us to witness to other people, to tell people about Him. 
And if you just tell people about the Lord Jesus, even if you only told them what he's done for you, that's sufficient. You don't have to attack people for their sin. It doesn't matter what the sin is. Jesus died to save people from it. So don't focus on what's in and point fingers because you're in no place to do that. None of us are. He says we're all we're all we all died in sin, right? We're all under the sin judgment. And only through the Lord Jesus Christ can we be redeemed from that. That's the work that he's done for us. Now, the work that we're supposed to do for him is to show ourselves approved and study the word and tell people about him. Not about bunnies, not about eggs, not about what you did over Easter weekend. Tell people about the Lord Jesus and what he's accomplished in your life what he is accomplishing in your life. Every opportunity you get. Sometimes he's not going to have you say anything because there's times when he doesn't want you to throw those pearls to swine. But when he does lead you, when the God and the Holy Spirit leads you to speak, you speak. Be obedient. Be faithful. And you'll find great, great blessing in doing so. So this is my um, topical lesson something I don't ever do, rarely I do, I should say, on Easter and what it means. What it means today is that we are living in a time of apostasy and many people don't understand anything about what they're doing as they go to church on Easter Sunday. But don't be ignorant. Don't be ashamed uh, because of ignorance. Now you have at least a basis, do your own research if you like. But this is what the Word of God has to say about Easter and its origins. And it gives us an opportunity. When people say Happy Easter, it gives you an opportunity to say, well, let me tell you about what Easter is and what it means to me. And it gives you an open door to tell people about the Lord Jesus and his truth and to share his gospel with them so that they'll know um, that there is a meaningful reason for celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how integral it is to our um, understanding of the Father, knowing that in the Lord Jesus and his resurrection, we have peace, peace with the Father. Um, I pray that that would be the result of this. Uh, I pray that you would continue to study the word and that it, this would encourage you to look deeper and that the Lord would lead you in uh, your study. Uh, I pray and ask that you pray for me as well so that we can grow together and we can serve him together. It's in Jesus' name uh, that I pray all these things. Amen.